can. I have to start talking. Well, I'm talking now, so. Just that's a show. And no, started. no uh, Disney discussions. Yeah. No. Or what was the other thing? Of of our or our audio audio setup. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's feedback. We asked for it. That's true. Although, uh, I don't, do, is it was that person just trolling us? I don't know. Possibly. Possibly, or it could be serious. Either way, I think we do kind of spend too much time on certain topics. But I don't know. It's yep. Part of no, we got to get nope. Stay. We got to stay on topic. Get to business. Oh, no. Get to business. Yep. Yep. Uh, so right, you're gonna done. be a Dreamforce, right? Next week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is that that's next week, right? It's, it's looking like I am, John. <laughs> it's kind of late to cancel, isn't it? It it would be late at this point. Yes, I would yeah. lose some some money. Did you do your whole event planning and everything? I haven't done anything. Oh. You're not going to be able to get into anything, are you? I don't want to get anything. I want to stay in my hotel room and avoid the absolute insanity and What's the shit point of shit going? That, that is Dreamforce. Um, I don't know. In case I have to go to like uh, meetings with clients. I mean, I'm going to have to do that anyway. I'm, and I'm, I'm already like, I'm incredibly stressed out at all of the events that I'm supposed to be going mm. to that are yeah. for our company and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, roundtables and prospect meetings and customer meetings and, and breakfasts and all this stuff. I'm just like, I just kind of wanted to like hang out and drink beer and catch up with, you know, some friends. Yeah. That's pretty much what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> you want a company paid vacation, right? Is well, that what you're saying? And to me, I mean, the, what I get well, out for of some of it, it is that, but you know, I, I've always found that being going as a partner is, um, work definitely it's work um going as a customer is the best because you're just there to hang out and smooth and go to all the events and sessions and stuff but yeah going as a partner a working partner is definitely tough yeah i think so um so i don't know we'll see and i also haven't i guess they they what's the thing called agenda builder yeah um i haven't even looked at that you at least have the app on your phone so you can I have this, I think I have the Salesforce events app. Is that what it's called? should be, yeah. Okay, so I've got that. Okay. Well, yeah, you can, you can sit and flip through it and ear, earmark some things, maybe. But I know the, the, you know, the, the ones you want to go to tend to um, sell out or, or fill up, I guess. Yeah, I think so. So that's why people, I think, get in there really early and pre-book all their stuff so that they can get into the things that are popular. Yeah. But I'm just like, how, I wish it would show me the things that are the least popular. So I can go to those. <laughs> well, those will still be available. So you can just filter by what's yeah, that's available. True. Well, yeah. And it, th- there's a location issue too, because I think it's still fairly spread out. I don't know. Is, is Moscone pretty much done with all its construction and everything's usable? All the space is usable? You know, last time I was there, I felt like, what was it? that Was it Moscone South? They completely rebuilt, I th- mm-hmm. think. And uh, when I was there for TDX earlier this year, I believe it looked like it was primarily rebuilt. So I, I would ex- I would expect all that to be done. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll mean less running around because maybe most of the I, the centers and or I don't know. rooms will be available. So if you're an ISV or a partner, I mean, I think I still think most of those are in the hotels. You got to walk to the mm-hmm. different hotels. Sounds but fun. if you're just you know a lowly developer, a coder. One of those yeah. loser coders, then you know you can just stay in. I guess Moscone West is that's where I try to hang out for the most part. I make that my, which is also why I usually try to stay at either um, the Intercontinental or the Marriott. Marriott Marquis is that what it's called? Yeah, I mean those are hard to get into. You have to I know. pretty much book right. Yeah, right actually, before. I'm in the same hotel. I guess I shouldn't say just so people aren't creepy with me, but I'm in the same hotel I was at with TDX. So it's not. It is a little bit farther than like the Intercontinental, but it's not far. It's actually really close to um, 
uh what's the what's that bar over there in the tenderloin keller yes yeah i mean it's really close so, so you'll be at mckeller just about every night yeah probably so <laughs> is that the uh the I mean, meetup spot is mckeller I, I i don't know i mean there's there's actually other places i want to get to i just i don't know if i'm going to be able to yeah so yeah. we'll see yeah. always always got to go to um uh what's the other little um what's the little brewery that's down the down um is it mission uh, no um not mission crap Howard, down Howard, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's near City Beer, but it's not City Beer. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, I always like to go to that one as much cool. as I can. Well, anyway. I hope you have a good trip. I hope you get to meet some people, and I hope you uh, take the recording equipment and do some impromptu recording sessions. Yeah, I, pr- I, I should. So that we don't have to work so hard when right. trying to come up with content. Or we might do one. <laughs> I don't know. The impromptu things are hard because you have to carry it around everywhere, and it's just like it's work, and people are like, oh, you're sticking a microphone in my face. Um. I don't know. That's gonna be fun. I'm. I'm just never good just do at that. hidden mics. You know, do, do the whole. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's, gorilla campaign. I think that's illegal. Gorilla though. podcast. Com, com, uh, gorilla <laughs> podcasting. I think it's illegal to record people in, in most states. Yeah. Without them knowing. Probably. Yeah. Don't don't do anything illegal. Yeah. But, well, let's get to some topics then, so that we don't. Well, I do want to say that we are gonna. I think try to do some kind of meetup. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be at Monk's Kettle or one of the places around there. I mean, I don't think you can get reservations anywhere at this point, so it's. It's going to be one of those things where um, just uh, make sure you have Slack on your phone and just, you know, be uh, touching base on the conversations channel. Yeah. And by the way, dear listener, if you're not uh, a member of our Slack community, then please join. You do that at gooddaysterpodcast.com and just click on community and follow the instructions. Perfect. All right. Topics. Topics. Uh, let's see. Actually, this one I wanted to get your opinion on. I'm not sure if you had a chance to read this one, but did you read the the link that was posted on Slack on the... Uh... I guess it was an article by a former lead div- lead engineer on on the uh, Salesforce.org products. The kind of the tr- how that's kind of evolved over the years, and oh, how I it's did. gone from open source to to now closed source, and how there's I, I don't know how accurate all this. I mean, this is one person's perspective, so I'm not sure exactly how you know you know take it with a grain of salt type situation. But um, yeah, there's that's an interesting story. I think. Well, so I will I will let you. Um, describe this story i guess and give some commentary on it i feel like it's one of those things i um, and i this is unfortunate because i hate this but i almost have to recuse myself from uh, because my company does um, a lot of work with with dot org yeah and i mean and i would say that this guy's you know he had some specific things that were under his craw but overall i mean he had he had an overall commentary which was that um, he's criticizing Salesforce for uh, r- really abusing its the nonprofit organization, but also you know, all of Salesforce's nonprofit customers. Yeah, yeah. By just selling so, them things they don't need, squeezing every last dime out of them. It's it's not about charity. It's not about nonprofit. It is just sell, sell, sell. You know. Um, yeah, so the title of this article is uh, Salesforce.org is putting profit over nonprofits. And I'm going to jump down to the probably the bottom of it, which kind of summarizes kind of his grievances, I think. But the, the title of this section at the, towards the bottom of the article is called A Call to Action. And, and he, the author says, Mark, if you're listening, as a former lead developer in your organization who has been endlessly frustrated and disillusioned with the direction of Salesforce.org has been going, you're, her- you're headed squarely in the wrong direction. Uh, he goes on to say, Salesforce has acquired Salesforce.org and the 1% of your 1111 model just isn't cutting it anymore. Uh, you should, and he li- bullets out kind of three main in- 
bullets, and I'll read these three bullets, but you guys can get into more details. But the first one was lower the, inc the incessant sales growth pressure and stop incentivizing sales staff to upsell and dump profits and schools with products or licenses they don't need. Um, I, I guess that's one of the areas you have to recuse yourself from and not, not get into. But in general, Salesforce, um, that's just the way the sales teams work, right, in general? I mean, yeah, they're so always kind of... They, you, you come in with saying, I have this problem, I need this. And as you tell your story, they're listening for areas, other parts of the system that you, they can add on to kind of help you with that piece. Um, are, are you give that's not the charitable take on this, I guess. I mean, the, the and I, I'm using well, I, it's in general. I mean, when anytime you go to, to sales and Salesforce and you're telling what your needs and what your requirements are, and then they'll try to right fit the, the product offering to you. But that means oftentimes other products that they're adding on. Oh, you need to do marketing. Well, now you need to get marketing cloud. Oh, you have some integration needs. We'll get MuleSoft. And these are big ticket items. Yeah, right. So it can it can seem overwhelming and it can definitely appear as if they're upselling you, upselling yeah. you, upselling you. Uh, so I, I you know, I, I do have opinions on whether um I don't know. I, I'm just not going to comment on on whether or not sell dot uh, org is is really just selling these nonprofits as much licensing as they can, regardless of whether they need it and whether it's d helping do do good in the world, mm -hmm. right? Um, I do think, you know, I, I, I do think Mark Minioff wants to do good in the world, and I think he wants Salesforce to be a tool for him to do good in the world. Um, obviously, you know, nothing's perfect, and, and there's probably always room for adjustments, but I'm just not going to get into the details of it. I will say that, generally speaking, um, I think there's a... There's a problem with Salesforce's, well, maybe it's not a problem, maybe not a problem for Salesforce. I mean, because it, you know, they, they sell very well, right? And, mm -hmm. and maybe this is how they sell, one of the ways, how they sell so well and how they, you know, always hit that beat and raise, beat and raise. I mean, like literally no, I mean, literally, not fake literally, real literally, like no other company that anyone has ever seen perfectly beat and raise. And when you look, when you look at the, I mean, I saw someone that did an, you know, that did a, an analysis of this. And it's just, it's, it is uncanny. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's really unbelievable, but they do this and they always have 20 to 25%, you know, I think closer to 25% growth every year, which for a, what are, what are their, what are their revenues now? 15 billion or something like that. I mean, is really impressive. Um, but, but I think part of how do they do that? And, and one of the things that's important again, to their, to their stock, uh, their stock valuation, which is. Again, they're, you know, they're obviously, we've talked about this, they're valued very high. Um, they're, they're valued on their promise that mm -hmm. they will continue to grow like this and they'll become more profitable. And they have made a big promise that they have yet to deliver on. It's, but it, you know, but of course they need to track to their delivery, which is why I always say, you know, they, they simply can't afford to have a quarter or two where their growth um, starts to show you know, tapering off, at least not before they've really turned the profitability corner significantly. I mean, they're, you know, I think they come in, come, come in and out of some profitability and it depends on whether you count stock-based compensation, which of course you should. There's a reason that we have gap rules and it's so we can know how companies are really performing. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in order, to, in order to, to maintain that stock valuation, one of the biggest metrics, and this is not unique to Salesforce, is, this, um, is the deferred revenue number. Because if you don't look, if you don't count the deferred revenue, then then you are not counting all of um, 
what customers have already paid for that just hasn't, you know, Salesforce hasn't delivered on those months yet. So like, you know, when you, typically you might write a check for a year worth of Salesforce or a quarter or, but see, I think they, you know, they usually want to, you know, pay for a, a year in advance. And if you don't count deferred revenue, then Salesforce can't count any, any of that. They can't count that check you gave them. Right. Uh, until, you know, they can, I guess each month as they deliver the service, they can count that uh, month's worth of the revenue. So there's that deferred revenue, but there's also the, you know, you signed a three-year agreement with them. And so those second and third years are non-cancelable. You know, Salesforce loves these non-cancelable contracts. I mean, I, I love some, you know, if you go back and listen to some of their early, um, you know, earnings conference calls where they, they, they kind of had, I mean, they were, they kind of had to teach Wall Street how to value these, you know, these companies. That's, that's one way they did is like, hey, we, I mean, yes, our, our, um, our earnings, I mean, our, our profitability doesn't look good, but that's because we can't count all this revenue. And furthermore, if you really want to know what our future is, you have to look at these, these multi-year contracts because they're non-cancelable. It's almost guaranteed revenue. And those, and that's what they call their, is it unbilled deferred, unbilled deferred revenue. So it's booked, Sounds not right. billed. Yeah. yeah. Unbilled deferred revenue, which is this, it's, it's almost like a tertiary bucket, but that's what investors are looking at. That's what Wall Street's looking at in order to, you know, decide whether, what, what Salesforce's stock is worth. And the way that Salesforce gets these big unbilled deferred revenue numbers is by when you go to Salesforce and you say, um, hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about doing Salesforce. So we've got, uh, you know, we're going to have 100 users or 1,000 users or, wh or whatever it is. And Salesforce, you know, they're going to want to try to sell you up front as much product as they can, mm -hmm. right? Because they need that unbilled deferred revenue number. But to that and point, they, John, you... the only way you can get an unfilled, un... this is a quiz, okay? There's a quiz here. <laughs> How right. do you get that unbilled deferred revenue number? By contracts. Non-cancelable yep. contracts. And the contracts can't just be fluffy like, oh, just whatever. It can't be like cloud computing is supposed to be, where it's like you put your credit card in and you just get billed for what you use. No, this is, this is Oracle land still. Mm -hmm. I mean, Salesforce is run by Oracle people. Whether it's Benioff or Ken Block, Keith Block. I mean, they're, you know, this is, this is Oracle style sales and they need, you know, it's, it's big contracts up front, right? Where they, they need a, they need a TCV, right? It can't mm -hmm. just be cloud like AWS or Azure or any of these, or GCP, any of these other things to it. It's got, or, and maybe I, that's probably not a fair comparison. I need to compare them to other SaaS because I think that's the way most of these SaaS companies, I mean, again, they, they're operating on the same, you know, valuation type of metrics that Salesforce is. So they've all got to have this. They need you to commit over a multi-year period to mm -hmm. a minimum certain amount. And that's why a lot of times what they'll let you do is they'll say, hey, you know, um, we're going to give you discounts based on you getting this much sales cloud, this much service cloud, you know, your Einstein this, maybe some marketing cloud, some commerce, okay? And that's worth, let's say, it's called a million, million bucks a year. Once we get this signed, you can go back to your A and say, you know, um, we're just not going to use Pardot ever, ever, ever. And so can we get your money back? And the EA is going to say, well, no, but... I can probably switch it out for something as long as the contract value doesn't stay, doesn't change. You just, I mean, you basically cannot change. You can add to the contract value, mm -hmm. but you cannot, you cannot reduce it because they have made, they, they're using that number in their accounting and, and what, and, and in their, um, information to investors. So it just, it just, I know this is a long winded way of explaining this, but it's, um, it's it, nonprofits when nonprofits go to Salesforce, it's no different. They, you know, they need, I mean, Salesforce needs these numbers. 
and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get you on a contract. And so, isn't that kind of the point of this frustration? Is that they're not differentiating nonprofits in, in the way they kind of sell them product? Um, I I I don't know honestly because I'm I I, I don't have direct. I don't have much direct experience. I'm generally not on any kind of like negotiation calls with AEs and clients. Mm -hmm. So I don't know for sure. I don't have direct knowledge of it, but I, but I suspect, and just from some things I've heard that maybe it's, it's, you know, that's this just kind of how it works. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think nonprofits um, also have to sign contracts and I, you know, I think they are typically, you know, multi-year non-cancelable contracts. And yeah, I don't, I don't think they, I, I personally don't think they differentiate and I don't think they should. Um, I think whether it's profit or nonprofit, I think we're all trying to solve problems. And sometimes those problems that we're trying to solve require expensive solutions or solutions that have a certain amount of complexity to them. Yeah. Um, one of the last sentences he said on this particular note, and we'll move on to the next one is he would like to see Salesforce re reward um, sales for the impact they create by solving challenges for nonprofits and schools, not just for making uh, shareholders more money. But I don't, I don't know that's a fair statement because I think I mean, if you're going to solve that, their challenges and their <laughs> yeah. problems, there's usually a dollar ticket associated with well, that. Isn't just going to give it away? Aren't Salesforce's products? Isn't that what Salesforce has already done with these all these products they've created? Is they're yeah. solving people's problems, yeah. whether you are a for-profit or a non-profit or a government? It, they're that's why that's why these nonprofits are coming to Salesforce. It's because Salesforce, by virtue of their products, is solving their problems. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is you know, a lot of these nonprofits, as we all know, uh, they're technically registered as nonprofits, but boy, they got a lot of money, and they're you know, a lot of people make a lot of money at these big nonprofits. I mean, you can have a quite nice career in the quote nonprofit space. You can be very profitable, you know. <laughs> Um, and so there's a lot of money there and, and these, these nonprofits, I mean, they, they need to use other companies, products and services as a part of them effectively delivering their own services to their own constituents mm -hmm. and as, and, and to whatever end Salesforce is providing them tools that are allowing them to deliver their services to their constituents, then Salesforce is solving their problems. They are providing value. I mean, there's a, it, it's, it's, it is, it's value for value. I mean, there's a reason nonprofits pay Salesforce is because Salesforce is giving them a lot of value. Yeah. And I mean, I guess this guy is, can question like, uh, you know, is it worth it? Is the value there for what they're paying? That, that's a valid question. Yeah. But I mean, all yeah. these nonprofits, they're making that, they're making that choice. And if, and if they, I mean, I, I mean, I, I look at these, these um, RFPs and bids and proposals and things all, all the time. I mean, I'm, that's part of my job. And um, these nonprofits know what they're doing. I mean, and and Salesforce is solving these problems. And, th and there's a reason why Salesforce is winning these bids for a lot of this, these big nonprofit projects. It's because it's a good solution, and it's providing a lot of value. And then and the nonprofits, you know, based on their their process of of evaluating vendors and suppliers. I mean, they're they're picking sell. I mean, anytime they pick Salesforce, it's 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 logically because that was the best option they had. Right. So, I mean, and I, you know, and, and again, I mean, you can, you can go read this, but I mean, he's got specific nits about, you know, how they handled certain, you know, the open source projects mm -hmm. and how they, and I think he's also talking something about how, you know, Salesforce has basically monetized for their own, for their own profit, people's, uh, people's own generosities that they've contributed. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then specifically how they've handled some of these, um, 
you know, nonprofit, I guess, you know, packages or GitHub products or whatever they are. Yeah, I mean, that was the next point that I was going to get to was um, he says the commitment to free and open source products for nonprofits and schools. And um, I, I guess what we're seeing now is more managed, pro uh, managed package solutions. So these kind of. But that's that's a technical. Um, that's just that's a, that's an implementation detail. I mean, there's well, still not, not the way he's painting it. The way he's painting it is that if when it was open source, he could at least go in and fix a bug. He wouldn't have to wait for Salesforce to make to well, uh, do the new, next okay. release. So let me give you an example. Of one I work with a lot. It used to be called HEDA. Now it's just called EDA. It's the Educational Data Architecture. Mm -hmm. Comes out of .org. Um, it's it's overall I mean, a, a pretty good product. I mean, as with all things, I've got my complaints and and whatever it is. But it's you know they actively develop it, and it's and it's generally delivered as a managed package. That's how we use it. Um, which yeah, once you install that into an org, you can't really see the the Apex code or whatever. But it's a total open. I mean, it's 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 and I'd I'd have to check and see if the license. I'm not even sure, but it's but it's on GitHub, mm -hmm. and you can you can see what they're doing. You can look at the commits and the releases and the issues, and you can you can send pull requests. So. I, again, to, to truly be completely open source, it has to have a compatible license, and I can't recall what the license is. But I've checked on some of these other things, um, like um, LWC, LWC Open Source, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> the name of the product. Um, it's actually, I think it's got an MIT license, so it's, it is a legit open source project. I'm not sure whether, I'm sure Salesforce, a lot of their other GitHub projects aren't necessarily of that type of license, because, I mean, just for, for various reasons, I mean, Salesforce probably needs... Um, they need more control over things. And so I don't know if EDA's has is, is got one of the, you know, OSI qualified licenses, but it's, the code's all out there. And, you, and I mean, it's, and I don't know, I mean, it looks like Salesforce, I mean, it looks like the, the engineers that work on it, when they're, when they finish the thing, they, it looks like they push it up. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem to be like, you know, quarterly, quarterly dumps, like they do it all in private and then you get like a quarterly dump of whatever they've, or mm -hmm. whenever there's a big release, like then they send the source. I mean, it looks like it's being worked on in the open. So, and, and I'm, there may be products where, you know, because this is a free, this is a free product, I think, EDA. And a lot of these things are free. Um, is, is he saying that they're making some of them not free? Like in, in terms of that, in terms of you have to pay. So th there's that nonprofit pack, I think. And it, I guess it used to be kind of a, an unmanaged package you could install, and then you could modify it as much as you needed to. There was a Git repository so you can make changes and pull requests and all that kind of stuff. And I think what he's saying, and again, this is out of my element, but I think what he's saying is now they're moving to more managed packages. And I think that's more to ease distribution and keep regular updates, but that also means it closes the source. No, it doesn't. It does not mean that. It does not close the source, Sean. It's still out there on GitHub. Okay, so the source is available, but you can't really modify it unless unless they put in all the hooks to extend it or or do you whatever still, you need to do. You still have the option to, if you want to install the code, if you don't want to do the managed package and you want to have Happy Soup, you can still do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. At least on what I'm talking about. I mean, like things like EDA and I think mm -hmm. the non-NPSP too. I mean, it's, I mean, generally the smartest thing to do is to install the managed package unless you just really hate yourself. Then go ahead. Yeah. Do happy soup because then you, you know, you're not going to get upgrades. You can't upgrade and you know, you're going to be just, it's going to be a mess. Um, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. And, and again, I didn't, I, I kind of skimmed through that, uh, yeah, and the last point doesn't really make any sense at all, but it was make sure Salesforce.org leadership shares the values of the community they serve. Choose people whose words and actions prove that they value purpose alongside profit. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's tough for anybody in, in this industry to not, especially the nonprofit space, to not retrospectively look at 
things when Benioff is out there saying capitalism, capitalism is bad and needs to change. And then, you know, you're in the nonprofit org space and Salesforce is push, 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 sell, sell, sell more, more, more. Yeah, you got to take this thing to the grain of salt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, Benioff's going to Benioff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, he's going <laughs> <laughs> to turn Benioff into a verb. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, he's, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say he's a, he's a charitable guy, right? Uh, but, I mean, he runs a for-profit company. I mean, some of his most important stakeholders are investors. And, and if you're not making your investors happy, and if, you're not, if, you don't, if your numbers aren't right, then you can't do anything else. You got to take care of your own house first before you can go trying to help others. And, um, uh, you know, and that can filter down in, in yeah. ways that Benioff may not even want himself. I mean, he may not like if he knew how, you know, certain, uh, I guess, practices were being, were being done. He, he may not like those. He, maybe he doesn't know about it. But, and so, so maybe yeah. that's something they, they need to look at. But uh, it's, it's a for-profit company, man. You know, they're going to, it's. And and they're you know they 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 give a little bit away for free. I think nonprofits get you know ten licenses of something for free. But I mean in general you know it's Salesforce is running a business man, and they got a and 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 again there's a lot of money in nonprofits. And just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you get everything for free. Yeah, it just doesn't. I mean it's just not how it works. And it's certainly not free to do an implementation. I mean it, it, as much as partners try to offer discounts and things for nonprofits and everything, it's still a very huge undertaking. It, yeah. I mean but, I, I go I look at some of my more difficult projects and it's been smaller businesses. It's not been the big enterprise because they can actually throw money at the problem or even people at the problem. Mm -hmm. But the smaller ones that don't have a lot of resources in terms of capital and all that kind of stuff, they're the ones that are really difficult to solve for. They're the ones that are really difficult to try to find the right solution for. Um, this stuff is complex. Yeah. You know, Salesforce as a system just on its own is complex. And then you talk about integrating with other systems or even inter integrating between its its own offerings. Yes. Yeah. I mean and, and we we also I mean we we also try to have um you know I guess beneficial pricing for nonprofits but I mean when you look at what good people cost that can do that can yeah. do these things yeah. in a way that's um you know that's going to get you where you need to go as an organization they're it just it they're kind of expensive and good people always are and um there's just and, and a lot of times there's just, I mean, there's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of room to, um, you know, to discount more than, as much as you might like to. I mean, it just turns yeah. out that it's, you know, this basically comes down to people and people are expensive. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not an area where you always want to find the cheapest, cheapest price. I mean. Uh, yeah. It's cause I, sometimes you get what you pay for. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not always, but I mean, a lot of times you do and yeah. you end up paying for it quite a bit and. In the form of technical debt, for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't think we beat that one. Yeah, we um, did. But anyway, I, and I, I want to say, I, um, I'm not necessarily saying that that guy doesn't have some valid things there. I just, I'm on, I, I, I'm just not as familiar with the, some of those specific packages he was talking about. So I can't really, I can't really comment. I will say though, I, I looked the replies on the on the LinkedIn article, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of support from I think legitimate people who have um, a legitimate legitimate voice in this kind of area. And then also on the um, Salesforce subreddit, there was a discussion about this. And I mean, a lot of people completely agree um, and say, yeah, this is what he's, what he's alleging here is true. And it's, it's not a good practice and needs to stop. So um, it's, it's certainly a, um, seems to be a popular opinion. Yeah. Well, so. Did you want to talk about that CMS announcement? Well, I think it's interesting. I mean. I mean, for I me, it was kind of a, a meta. Well, I'm not saying it's a meta topic. I'm just saying it was it was an, an announcement that I kind of glossed over because 
I think I said this earlier. Right. It's something they've announced like four or exactly. five different times. We've got we've got a CMS. We've got yeah. a CMS. We've got a CMS. And now there's another one. I just Right. So Salesforce announced, you know, they've got a new CMS. Um, they've done this before, to your mm -hmm. point. Is, and for people who don't know, CMS is a content management system. It's basically a, a way it think of it as um process builder for a website development. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if I like that, but uh... I mean it's you know. Anyway, um, so I'm just looking at this. What was that? Uh, TechCrunch, maybe? Wow. Uh, so today, Salesforce announced a, a brand new tool called, guess what it's called, John? Uh, CMS Cloud? Content Management System. <laughs> it's literally called just CMS. I'm like, wait a minute. The company that takes every advantage to brand, would, you know, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe this decided, you know, they're, they're like, you know what? They're sitting in the branding meeting about this. They're like, we're just going to rename it in six months. Let's just call it CMS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, a product has made it, and it's going to stick around if it gets a mascot. So if it doesn't have a mascot yet, I don't, oh yeah, it, that's it, that's a kiss of death. It's, right? it's ripe for rebranding. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Uh, our, uh, this is, I guess, some Anna Ro Anna Rosen Rosenman. Wow, Rosenman. Um, she's the uh, VP of Product Marketing for Community Cloud, Commerce Cloud, and Salesforce CMS. She got a new. This affected her title. Wow. By the way, I've I've heard that the shorter a title, the more important you are. Makes um, sense. I'm guessing she's not very important then, because she's the VP of Product Marketing for Community Cloud, Commerce Cloud, and Salesforce CMS. Or maybe it just means you're not spread so thin. I you're mean, able to be more effective. I wonder if she has to have a bigger business card just to fit that many words on it. Anyway. Okay. Well, you do in general in the Salesforce work because you got to put all your badges and all your certifications on your card, too. <laughs> you know, our, actually, our, <laughs> our cards are like half height, uh -huh. and it turns out people hate them. People hate our cards because of that. Really? Yeah, I think they're kind of look cool, but people are... But now that I think about it, it's like they, they they don't fit with other cards. I mean, they're easier to lose, and they'll get like all if you have if you put them in your wallet, they'll kind of get sideways, or whatever, because they don't they don't stand up straight. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so she says, uh, Anna Rosenman, our customers have been asking for a dedicated CMS. I, I'm always wondering, like, who is it that instead of who is it that thinks that Salesforce is going to build a better CMS than like um, Adobe or somebody? Or, no, 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 no. Um, well, you know, I mean, this WordPress or um, what? Are, what are the what are the big uh, like uh, Drupal? Is that the big one? Yeah. Um, and then oh, there's I a, confused my my technologies here. I was thinking of marketing assets. Um, I don't know. No, I yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah, it would be like and Drupal it, or and, and and these you know Drupal and and WordPress, WordPress. and what's the what's the Squarespace. other Squarespace? Uh, 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 maybe not. I mean, yeah, but I mean they're. They're really advanced. Their ecosystems are unmatchable. You are never going to build anything that can catch up to WordPress, just pretty much ever. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that she's saying their customers have been asking them for a dedicated CMS. Okay, okay. The systems they've been relying on so far tend to be legacy tools that are hard to use and build for a single channel or site. Now that, well, I mean, using the community builder and some of the asset management stuff <laughs> is really difficult, especially if you're trying to, to tailor branding for portals or for certain clients, it gets really difficult and you have to start building custom components and things. So what's well, funny this comes with additional tooling to kind of help, help with that. I mean, I can see why people are wanting it. Yeah. It's like you get a taste of it. You can, you can add an image or you can put an image in your assets or you can put, and you can do some, some, some minor switching. It's almost like formula switching, but it's really weird. Yeah. I can't, can't describe it, but. It's like it's not there. It's like you get just enough to get annoyed that you can't go any further. But what's interesting is, is she says, you know, that their customers have been asking them for this. Um, but she also says the same customers that 
are locked into legacy tools that are hard to use and build for. So the same thing that got them in trouble before, which was buying into, you know, uh, proprietary, quote, enterprise CMSs. Salesforce is now asking them to, to do the same thing, just do it all over again, instead of just going with one of the massive communities around, you know, one, you know something like WordPress. But I, again, know, I think there's a changing tide in the way people manage websites these days. I think websites have gone from being kind of this marketing brochure online to being more application-based. So companies are wanting more interactivity from their websites. And so I can see them going, oh, well, we've got Salesforce. Why don't we make our website on the community? And well, now we don't have all these things that we need to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think for the higher functionality stuff, I mean, you're still, um, you know, if you're in the Salesforce world, maybe you're doing, you know, Lightning or Visual Force um, for your site or, um, you know, and, and if that's where you are, then okay. Um, or otherwise people are doing, you know, like, I mean, let's be honest, PHP is rules the web uh, in terms of, uh, you know, custom function, custom, you know, custom applications and functionality on websites that are more than just CMS. I mean, CMS is, you know, you have themes that have blocks in certain places and you can create new pages from those and, and type in the content and kind of move a block around here or there or whatever that, you know, business people can, can do. Um, but when it comes to like, I need custom functionality, that, that's a whole other thing. And that's when one thing that's great about something like WordPress is there's this massive ecosystem because it's open source that has built up around it over the past decades, whether it's themes or custom functionality or modules. And I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know what WordPress calls them. But you can you can really build like custom, almost cu completely custom, um, a lot of custom functionality. What's the web and business are for things? What's that? That's what web components are for. Web components. Well, I mean, you could, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you could you could build a WordPress plugin using web components. That's just an implementation detail. No, I just That's mean I just level. mean this kind of helps feed into that. I mean, yes, we can build Lightning web components that target community, and we can get a lot of this functionality. But now there's the process builder version of this that you yeah. can do that with. And it can also include blocks of your custom components that might be customized for different audiences. The next thing I thought was interesting is, is uh, it says that the key differentiator here is the ability to connect to third-party systems. A, uh, here's a quote. A hybrid CMS provides a native experience channel or touch point. John, what is a native experience channel? I have no idea. Okay. But it also gives you the flexibility to present content to any touch point built on a third-party system. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Okay. It, to me, it's just like, it's just like technology word soup. It is. Uh, or is it a word salad? Which is it, John? I don't know. I, I looked it up and it just got, the salad just got. But then they, uh, I guess TechCrunch interviewed some, some other guy. Well, they actually did a little bit of work. Um, and this guy says that this is not the first time that Salesforce has tried content management. The previous iteration was called Salesforce Sites. Did you ever use Sites? It was uh, Site. Oh, was that Site.com? Uh, oh, he's got, he's got yeah. this, he's got his technology wrong. It was not Sites. There were Sites. Yes. Sites is. Um, sites had a CMS with it. Site.com. Site.com was the CMS. Yeah. Which was, which is. Technically, a different thing than sites. You can you can do oh. sites without without the yeah. sites.com yeah. CMS. Um, I think that's what he's talking about. Anyway, he said they made they made big promises around that platform, and they got some major customers on board, and then they dropped it. it and I, I think what the thing is is these enterprise you know big companies they think well look how big and powerful powerful we are. I mean, surely we can build a CMS that is as good as WordPress. I mean, WordPress is just uh, it's just open source. You know, it's 
but some, a bunch of open source PHP, we can do much better than that. And it turns out it just is a lot more work than what you'd think to get things right. Sure. In a way that people want to use them. Yeah. And, and you've got to act like a, you've got to act like a startup. You've got to be able to pivot and fix your, you know, your, your product market fit and all that stuff. So maybe this is it. Maybe this is their startup 2.0. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe they learned. Because, you know, Salesforce did a lot of things. That, this has been in an era maybe five to ten years ago where, you know, that there was their kind of uh, verticals kind of mm -hmm. 1.0, CMS 1.0, all this stuff that kind of just sucked. And then healthcare 1.0. Yeah, exactly. And then they, they thought they could they could, thought they could get into these areas with and just they, I think they just underestimated the, the effort it takes to actually be successful and, yeah. to, and to do something do, do something that people want. And it does seem like they're positioned to do it. I don't know if it spreads them any thinner, but the vertical products are doing better. Um, they're not like 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 they were before. No, and that's my that was my point. Is is maybe this is different? Maybe yeah. they're you know they've 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 learned their lessons on on things. What they I think they I think they're more um, self aware on what they can do and what they can't do and what these things cost. Yeah. And I mean, they probably have a lot more money now. They have a lot more people. So it it also I mean, doing something. I mean, the last time they tried to do site.com, they were probably a, a you know, three or four billion dollar company. Now they're a fifteen billion dollar company. Yeah, they're still on the fastest to to a billion. Exactly. Oh right? yeah, fastest. I mean, it's my dream to you know ten billion, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, he says it's. He also says it's a major challenge to build a sophisticated multi-channel CMS. I still need someone. Is it, is it like? What does that mean? Channel. Well, multi-channel makes sense. That's just d different audiences. Mm, I'm not sure about that. I think it's, doesn't that mean like uh, it can be web or uh, a text, text campaign or, or phone or something? Or, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know how you make a CMS that spans those, but that, you know, that's why I'm not marking. Uh, it's easy to build a simple CMS. It's much harder to build an extensible enterprise platform. There's a lot of work they still need to do to feed other platforms around things like connectors, simulation, tracking, uh, very advanced asset management and object-oriented storage. This guy's just making crap up. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's anytime I read any of this marketing type stuff, I'm just like, these people just. I mean, again, the word salad that yeah. they come up with. It's just like I can't. I can't tolerate any of this. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's so synonymous with with not web development but web publishing. It's just really weird. There's there's this huge divide between the terminology between the two. And it's, yeah, uh, exactly. And it's like, man, I, I swear the people that actually build these, these tools, they don't, they don't use these. Yeah. This is not what they, no, they this is not they how they talk. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting that Salesforce decided to build this tool rather than buying a company and integrating it into the Salesforce family. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who they could have bought that would have. I think really... they're really trying to strengthen their, their, the, the work that people have put into using communities for this type of situation. Yeah. Um, but also I think the big draw for, for this is, and the advantage of over you choosing something like WordPress is how close it is to your Salesforce data and be able to tie it all in. I, I think that's the big draw. Otherwise, what is the draw? Yeah. It's that, I mean, you can either call it like, that's not really data gravity. That's, that's kind of a different concept, but in a way it, I mean, it's, it's highly related. I mean, you know, Salesforce does want all your data because then you're going to come to them for services around that data, mm -hmm. right? The question is, do you put all your data in Salesforce? Is that, is that, is that a good strategy? Just as good as any place. Yeah, you can't trust Google. You can't trust Amazon. You can't trust Microsoft. can't trust Oracle. Who do you trust? Well, 
Yeah. Or who do you want to give your, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the question of the day is who do you trust? Because it's you, not that it's, it really not, feels like you can't trust I don't think anybody. it's not trust because it's not that I don't trust Salesforce. I mean, I, I, I trust, I, I, I think Salesforce does a good job of, of the trust thing of, you sure. know, when you, when you put your data sure. in Salesforce, it's not, it's not like Salesforce is going to go out and sell that data. They don't, they don't do that. Um, and they generally do a good job of, of just physically protecting that data as, and, you know, in terms of its durability and security. Mm-hmm. The question is though, is, is that the, is that, is that the company that you want to put all your data into in terms of, you know, now how do you work with that data and what's that going to cost you? Sure. From that perspective, sure. Yeah. And there's, I don't think there's any easy answers there. I mean, you got to, got to put it somewhere, you know, you got to buy services from someone. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a long-term relationship, which is, uh, which is great. Lots of, uh, unbilled deferred revenue. There you go. Okay. Well, let's see what I... I mean, you mentioned Google. Did you see this big thing, this Project Nightingale, about um, how they're amassing tons of healthcare data? They partnered with, uh, I forget who it was, one of these big healthcare service companies, I guess. Um, I did. I mean, I heard about it just from headlines. Ascension. I can't say I'm surprised by it, and I, I can't say I'm shocked by it. But what's weird is, you know, it's like not against the law. They're not, they're not, they're not even breaking like uh, GDPR or, or HIPAA or any of that kind of stuff. Because Ascension is allowed to share, there's some quote here. Um, gen, yeah, gen, so HIPAA generally allows hospitals to share data with business partners without telling patients as long as the information is used only to help the covered entity carry out its healthcare functions. And Google is, you know, they're, they're using this data to design new software and, um, you know, do AI and machine learning stuff and all that to improve healthcare. That's, you know, that's, that's the ostensible, uh, well, they need it so they can, they can, uh, goal. enable Fitbit with all the health monitoring stuff. That's true. So they can compete with Apple. That was a big sale. Benioff did nicely on it, I imagine. Well, I don't know wh- where he got in, but I mean, did you look at Fitbit's chart over the past five years or so? Mm-mm. Oh, it's not pretty. Not pretty. This wasn't. Well, I'm uh, just saying, I mean, given a, a buyout from a big company like Google is what was needed, not let it fizzle out because it just didn't get, get traction. Right. So, yeah. I mean, no, I think they definitely needed an, to be bought by some huge company. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm running out of time. You're running out of time. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, but I did want to—I did want to mention one article and a thanks to the community in general, but uh, Fisher Prey in particular. Um, I ran across an issue with unit testing. I just finished refactoring 758 freaking test methods. They're not perfect; they're they were minimal refactors to get them up to par. But then I ran all my tests, and I started—they started dropping off. They started getting killed randomly. Certain ones. You mean uh, when you were running them? When I was running the executions the were getting killed. When you're running that num that large number, like if I ran them one off, it was fine. Okay, um, but it's essentially there's a known issue with tests when it comes to uh, custom settings or objects that do a lot of indexing. I think is what it is. Is that just those operations after a while start taking up too much time? I'm not sure what the backend infrastructure is like that's maybe causing some of this, but if it causes some kind of either deadlock or some kind of issue that that forces that test to quit. Turns out the cloud is just someone's computer, someone's database, and it's yeah. got deadlocks and everything just, you know, just like everything else. But I mean, they, they were able to pro- provide, that article is a really good article. I'll link in the show notes so you can read it because it tells a pretty good story. It's a long story, but if it wasn't for, for, for people like 
I don't know if I want to say the name, but <laughs> but Fisher Prey just documenting the stories and doing the work and logging the bugs and working with with this. I mean, I would have why had to have why done can't this. You say that his name? I don't know. I guess I can. Daniel Bellinger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just I don't know who wants to be known <laughs> or associated oh, he, with this. He's 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 out there. <laughs> he's all over the place. So. I know. I'm just saying. But yeah. um, yeah. So it, it's just one of those things where you come across an issue because people are sharing their stories and sharing their experiences. Um. I'm able to kind of get an idea of my resolution path without having to do the same work. Um, mm, Cause this yeah. was a multi-day effort to try to figure out and prove that, yes, this is an issue on your side, not yeah. my side. And I'm having to figure out a workaround because you guys can't help me. Um, so yeah, just, just big thanks to the community in general, but in particular to, to Daniel. So, so what, what was the problem? What was the solution? You'd had to start. I still have to figure out if the solution is going to work for me, but the, the main crux of it is if you're, if you're standing up a lot of data, with that that also uses custom settings um oh, that yeah. can cause some issues and then also um some others chimed in at the etch i think it was scott wells who chimed in and said um also any objects that are doing a lot of indexing if you're going to set up objects try to make sure that even across text ex executions try to make sure your the index fields are unique at least um so i mean those are the different things i'm going to try and resolve once i get there but yep it's 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 some work well, um, one thing I want to talk to you about just before it's old news is the MacBook Pro 16. Um, but we don't have time. We don't have time. Yeah, I I like, I I don't know. I'm such a gadget guy. I, I want it for sure because I'm a gadget guy. And I'm trying to tell myself, eh, wait till the next iteration and they've worked out all the bugs because I'm poor and I can't buy it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I, I like the idea of having the, the larger screen. Um, I like what I saw in terms of the escape button being being an actual button and the fingerprint reader also being separated off from the touch bar. I kind of don't really care about the touch bar. I don't know how they're going to make it something that I want to use. Yeah. I, you know, the thing about Max that's interesting is a lot of the key, like, like the shortcut key combinations don't involve function keys. Whereas in windows, there's way more function keys involved. Mm. At least that's my just gut. I, haven't actually said and look at the so. numbers but the, to me the big thing for this keyboard is it's the separate escape key and also the and this is it seems like a minor thing but it's a huge thing to me they've gone back to this for the arrow keys this inverted t see how the arrow keys make like an upside down t oh they have yeah because it's so hard to find oh it is keys on yeah on these keyboards but yeah my, i mean overall my problem is like i don't know this computer's got things that are irritating like the keyboard Mm -hmm. But it just runs. It's still really fast, and it runs really well. Um, I don't know. I actually looked at what the trading would be. Apple will give me a thousand bucks for this laptop. Really? Yep. Mm. I know how you're thinking now. I can see the gears spinning in John's head. Uh, <laughs> changing your mind. Might have to get me an Apple credit card. I know. <laughs> um, just appreciate that over right? time, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I do think I'm going to wait a while and let them, you know, work out the kinks because I jumped right on this and I feel like that bit. I, I jumped on this one too and I kind of, I really regret it, um, especially with the issues that I have, you know, the, the button keys, my speaker that just pops all the time. And it's, I can't get it serviced because it's my main computer. So I think what would happen is I'd have to, well, if I can trade it in, I'll trade it in. But yeah, I don't know. But it's, you know, I noticed it's got, it says it has um, a, studio quality three mic array that rivals professional third-party microphones for creating super clean podcasts or music recordings on the go so john i think we can throw away this all this thousands of dollars of equipment we have throw it away we can just nice. use my new macbook nice we should, we should do that <laughs> yeah i'm sure that'll work really well yeah 
will sound like those videos we were talking about earlier that I'm not going to name than any names. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, well, we can go over the details on that in, in the future. I mean, that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but I am, I don't know. I, su- I suspect that sometime in Q1-ish, I'll, I'll probably order one. Oh, that's still too soon. I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe six months after they actually I might should. even wait till the next true revision of this one, the of, of that one, you know, which would be out around this time around. So, I don't know, maybe Christmas present to myself next yeah. year. I don't yeah. know, something like that. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, follow um, follow the Conversations channel in, in Slack for real-time updates just to what's, whatever's going on. We also use that just to be like, Hey, it's just like random. I'm going to go, you know, here, anyone, anywhere, anyone over here want to hang out or I'm going to go get a beer, anyone, you know, so that, all that kind of just random stuff uh, will probably be happening as well. So, yeah. And for those of us who aren't attending, I mean, I'd like to pop in there and kind of see what people are saying and talking, especially during some of the keynotes. I think, I think a lot of people end up kind of chattering back and forth on, on that channel. So yeah, that's always fun. It's always fun to read. All right. Yeah. And Lots so of we- pictures of people's, the back of people's heads. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah. They're like, oh, look who I spotted. Click. Well, John, we'll miss you and we'll make fun of you for not going. Hey, that's fine. We'll I, don't, I don't say bad things about I'm you. I'm not jealous at all of you going. I don't uh, want to go. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to really either, but it is what it is. If it was DX. But... Like, I was, I was jealous about not going to DX. Yeah. I wish I could have gone to DX. Yeah. But, um, it's yeah, weird because Dreamforce, I'm, I'm done with. I've been there enough times. It's too big of an event for, for me yeah. and for what I can get out of it. But DX is, is, going to be my show for a while and i've been to dx a few times since i've been to dreamforce so it'll be interesting and oh that's right because they're your first dreamforce was a few years ago with me yeah that was five years ago was it that long no it wasn't that long ago was it 2015 it's four years ago that's only like two or three years ago wasn't it i think it was 2015 oh we're getting old yeah (laughs) anyway on that note john yeah to that i say good day sir (laughs) you get nothing yeah it wasn't late this time You lose! Good day, sir!